Well, welcome to Chi Alpha. My name is Victor, and I'm one of the associate staff pastors here. I am so honored to be here with you guys, and I am so glad that you decided to join us on a Tuesday night. It is an honor, like I said before, to be able to preach God's word. And if we haven't met yet, I would love to be able to meet you after service. Um, But I'm so excited because today we get to start our new sermon series, Becoming. And the idea behind this series or the, the vision of what we were thinking about is that life with God is a painting and there are six paintbrushes to become more like him. These six elements are part of what we call the discipleship pathway or the journey to becoming more like Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we'll be going through these elements. And tonight, we're going to start with our first element, know God. Know God. So our text for tonight comes from the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Old Testament. So if you open up your Bibles, it's one of the first two books. To give some background of what we're going to be tonight, the people of Israel, or God's specific chosen people, have been enslaved in Egypt for several hundred years. And God uses this guy named Moses to lead them out of Egypt and into a new land. Moses gets the people out of the oppressive rule of Pharaoh, and they arrive at this place called Mount Sinai. And at this place, God is essentially going to establish what his relationship will look like with his people and how they can sort of relate to God. God tells Moses that he will descend on this mountain and that he will speak to Moses directly. And then Moses can go on and tell the people what he said. So we read this in Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 through 11, and we'll jump down to 16 and 20. But again, Exodus 19, 10 through 11, uh, 16 and 20. So 10 through 11 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all peoples. And then we'll jump down to verses 16. And on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word. God, I pray that tonight would create this burden in us to seek after your presence. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place to move in our hearts, God. Would this word not fall on deaf ears, God, but instead you would be speaking to hearts. So we love you, and we're thankful for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I want to start off tonight by sharing a little bit of my wife and I's story. So my wife, Lexi, is back there in the computer. Uh, Love her very much. She's great. We've been married for over two years now. But we've known each other, or at least known of each other, for a lot longer than that. Both, we were both involved in Chi Alpha and came together as students. Um, but it wasn't until my senior year here at UNI that things changed. Pastor Derek came up to me, and he's like, hey, you ever heard of that girl, Lexi? You should, you should hang out with her. At some point later on, I started to, to pay attention to her. And uh, I, got, I got a little feelings going, you know? 
So in the spring of 2020, I decided to shoot my shot. I began the pursuit of a lifetime. We began hanging out. First, we started off with hanging in group settings like most relationships do. We started texting. We'd go out of our way to talk to each other at Chi Alpha, which if you didn't know, you can meet your spouse here at Chi Alpha. So the more that I got to know her, the more that I realized that she was amazing. And the more that I realized how amazing she was, the more time that I wanted to spend with her. And it was this kind of this cycle. I spent time with her and I realized how amazing she was. Because she was so amazing, I wanted to spend time with her. And soon we found ourselves in the middle of a pandemic. Not even COVID-19 can stop my pursuit. <laughs> and while the world around us was shutting down and everyone was forced to be six feet apart, I was determined. I would not let COVID keep us apart. So our very first date was us going to Taco John's, yes, getting a big old, uh, I don't know, jar, a bowl, a potato lays, and we sat in our car and we just talked. We would FaceTime for hours. We would do online puzzles together because we couldn't see each other in person. I did whatever I could to be with her. And eventually, all of it paid off, and in May of 2021, we got the chance to say, I do. In front of all of our friends and family. Yeah. So we've been happily married since then. <clears throat> and through all of this, I've got to experience some amazing things and some of the best moments of my life. We had a lot of laughs together. We went through hard times together. We went through a pandemic together. We sh made a lot of memories together. We shed tears together. We got to share our true selves and become the bestest of friends. But... To get to this point where I am now, two years later and being married that long, I had to go on this journey. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, right? I devoted a lot of time getting to know Lexi. I made sacrifices to spend time with her. I even risked getting COVID at one point just to be with her. The memories, the friendship, the intimacy, the experience of falling in love came through action and devotion. Now, most of us in here in this room would agree that if you want to know someone, you have to do something about it, right? If you want to experience the amazing part of a relationship, what it means to be in a good marriage, you have to take action, right? Everyone's like, yeah, I'm on board with that. And yet, sometimes we take the opposite approach with God. Too often, we want to have a close and intimate relationship with God, but we don't want to take the steps. We don't want to go on the journey. We want God to show us who he is. We want him to reveal what's your plan for my life. But we'll never go out of our ways to know him. We want God to speak to us and to share what's on his mind. But we never put ourselves in a place where we could hear him. Others of us want to know God, but we let our schedules and busyness dictate our lives. And we find ourselves constantly distracted and just too busy. We find it hard to make sacrifices to be able to spend time with God and let our, we let other priorities come before meeting with God. So let's go back to Lexi and I's story. I have a couple of questions. Would Lexi and I have started dating if I decided not to do anything? I didn't talk to her, we never hung out, and I never asked her on a date. No. Would I ever have gotten to know her deeply 
if I never put myself in a position where I could talk to her alone and together? No, right? What would happen if I just went up to her one day, never meeting her, never talking to her, and I said, hey, let's get married? She probably laughed, well, who am I kidding? She probably said yes. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. She'd say no. Why? Because relationships require action and they require time. So what does scripture have to say about this? Let's go back to our text. So tonight I wanna start by telling the story or I wanna go through the story of Moses climbing up the mountain and like any journey going up a mountain, there are three parts of it. Ascension, mountaintop, and descension. So let's first start with the ascension. So God has just freed the Israelites from slavery, kind of as I said in the beginning, where they had been there for 400 years. And now he wants to reveal himself as their God. God's powerful presence descends and he falls on the mountain and there's thunder and there's lightning and a thick cloud forms over the mountain. It was probably an overwhelming scene, right? And I'm sure many people are terrified at this point. And in the midst of all of this, like you're just standing there, just smoke, thunder. God calls out Moses. And he says, I want you to come up the mountain. We read this in verse 20 of chapter 19. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. God decides not to come down and speak to every single person or the crowd collectively. He instead asks Moses to trek up the mountain. So why the ascension? God would ask Moses to make the journey up the mountain because it was a way to remove Moses from the distractions. It was a way that God can speak directly one-on-one to Moses without any interruptions. We don't see God snap his fingers and all of a sudden Moses is up at the top of the mountain. No, Moses had to move his feet. He had to climb rocks. He had to go uphill, go out of his way to meet with God. The mountaintop was a destination, but it required Moses to make the trip. Moses had to take action. I'm sure the journey was hard, but in order to see God, in order to see him face to face and meet with him, Moses was willing to do anything. So what does the ascension mean for us? What is the main principle? Obviously, I'm not telling you to go and find a mountain and climb it and hopefully you'll find God there. That's not what I'm saying at all. The point is that Moses was, doing, was willing to do whatever he could so that he could meet God. There are so many things in this world, even right now, distractions and thoughts and things that you are worried about that are clouding your mind, right? I got this project I have to do tomorrow. I have this exam due then. I have to worry about my family or who in here is my spouse. There's a lot of things that are running through your mind. There's a lot of different voices that are clouding your mind and it's hard to make out which one of them is God's. The ascension is about putting ourselves in a place where we get to know God. It's about giving ourselves room to quiet down our souls, removing ourselves from the distractions and giving God a chance to speak with us. We have to do something about it. The ascension is the steps we take to get to know God more. The ascension is the steps we take to get to know God more. So practically, what does this look like? What is something that you can do on your own? The main way and the most important way is our quiet time. So the quiet time essentially is this time that you devote throughout your day to just spend time with you and God alone. 
This is you going up to the mountain to be with God. This is the foundation and how you know God. It's kind of like going on a date with God. The goal is not to learn more facts about God, but actually getting to know God directly as a person. When Lexi and I went on dates together, the goal was not the date itself, right? The goal was not McDonald's or Taco John's or whatever it was. It wasn't trying to learn more facts about Lexi. It was about me. It was about Lexi. It was about me getting to personally know her. So now that you go up the mountain and you set apart this time, what do you actually do? This is where spiritual practices come in. So there are three main practices that we're going to go through together. And again, I'll say this uh, later on, but I'm going to throw a lot of information at you. It's okay if you don't catch everything. Your small group leader would love to help you go through this. You can come talk to me. You can go to discipleship training class. You know. So we'll start off with Bible. That's the first one. So the Bible is known as the Word of God. And we read it because it's the primary way that God speaks to us now. It's the basis of truth. It's how we can learn who God is and also how we can have a relationship with him. Through the Bible, we can take what we know or at least what we think we know about God and we can test it to see whether it's true or it's false. And the goal of Bible reading is not for you to earn something from God. It's not for you to gain something from God. It's not about trying to cram in as much information as you can. Nor is it about trying to remember every single thing that you read. It's all about connecting with God. And your aim should just be to get one little nugget that you get from it. Again, it's better to read one chapter. And you can start anywhere. You, I recommend that you start in the Gospel of John. Take one chapter and take one little piece of information from there. Something that stuck out to you, whether it's a verse or an idea that God gives you. It's not about remembering that whole chapter word for word. It's about getting one little takeaway. So as you're reading, a great thing to do is journal. And you might see people around you who are writing in their journals, and that's great. Journaling is just this idea that you write down what you're learning or where you can write your biggest takeaway. It's a good practice because it helps you retain what you're learning, what you're hearing from God, but it also allows you to go back and reflect in the process. It can help structure your thinking because it's way easier to just write down what you're thinking as opposed to having a million thoughts float around in your mind. It's good to journal things. And also, I mean, you've probably heard a lot of different stories, but people have gone back to their journals two or three years ago and say, wow, God was faithful then. I was nervous about something. I was worried about something. I wasn't sure how God was going to come through. Years later, I'm looking back, and I did see how God came through. It creates this opportunity for you to give God glory more. It just serves as a reminder of God's goodness in our lives. So the last practice we have here is prayer. And prayer is just simply this ongoing conversation with God. It's a time where you and God can just talk. You can ask God questions. You can share how you're feeling. You can ask him for something in your life and so much more. And there's a lot of different ways to pray and there's not a correct way to do it. What works for other people might not work for you and that's okay. Don't be afraid to experiment. It doesn't always have to be this structured set of words. It doesn't have to be this long paragraph which you repeat over and over again. There is a time for that and there's a lot of great uh, prayers that you can read through the Bible and they can help you. But sometimes we just need to have a real conversation with God. You can use your own words. You can use your own thoughts. You don't need to hide what you're feeling because God already knows. 
Prayer is what makes your relationship with God a two-way street. God doesn't want you to feel like he's the only one that can speak. He wants you to share what, what's going on in your life. If you're worried about class, he wants to know that. If you're feeling lonely, he wants to know that. If you're angry at him, he wants to know that. If there's anything you need to know about prayer, is that God wants to hear from you. It's not his obligation. It's not like he's forced to. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. So these practices, there are things that we can do within our quiet time, but there's also things that we can do outside of that time. We don't have to limit God to just one to two hours of our day. We can go up the mountain continuously throughout our day. So some of the practices here, and again, I'm going to go through these really quickly. So if you don't catch everything, that's okay. Fasting is one of the first practices, which is essentially giving up something for a period of time so that you are able to connect with God. This can look like giving up specific foods or food and water entirely, electronic devices, limiting social media use, and so many other things. The point is for you to be able to take your focus off of something that maybe is controlling your mind, your thoughts, and be able to focus on God. The next thing is silence and solitude, which silence and solitude is essentially just sitting in absolute silence and allowing your mind to slow down and your soul to quiet down. It's really just that, just sitting in silence and reflecting on God. And the last thing is Sabbath. Sabbath is essentially just taking 24 hours to rest in God's presence. This looks like abstaining from work or doing things that drain you, emotionally and physically, spiritually, and it's having extended time in worship and prayer, physical rest, such as napping, and doing things that bring you delight, such as other hobbies or life-giving activities. The point of the Sabbath is that so that your soul can recenter itself and focus on God. So I know there's a lot of information, like I said, but don't be afraid if you don't get everything. We can talk about it later on. Now, I do want to make sure I reemphasize this and say this. The spiritual disciplines going up the mountain is not me saying, you must work to earn something from God. It is not me saying that I must strive so that God will favor me. It's about just connecting with God. And like any relationship, like with Lexi, it requires action. In the book of Hosea, God says, God himself says this, Hosea 6, verse 6, I want you to show love, and this is God talking, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I want you to know me more than I want your Bible reading. I want you to know me more than your prayers. I want you to know me more than you coming to Chi Alpha. I want you to know me. The ascension, going up the mountain, is just trying to get in God's presence. God's presence is the destination. The ascension is just the way to get there. It's just the way to get there. So I want to share a little bit more about me. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, so way down south, yeehaw. And I lived there till I was about 11 or 12. And in Atlanta, there's this really, really cool mountain. It's called Stone Mountain. I looked it up. It's literally just a giant piece of granite that's protruding from the earth. It, it's weird. 
In the summer of 2019, my family and I uh, took a trip back down to Atlanta to visit some family. And during this trip, I had, we decided to visit Stone Mountain since it was really, relatively close to where some of my family lived. Now, even though my family had lived in Georgia for over a decade, we had never climbed the mountain. It's possible to do that, but we had never done it. We had just gone to the surrounding park. We had barbecues and stuff like that. For whatever reason, on this specific vacation, they decided that it was going to be a great idea for us to go up the mountain. Now, if you're into mountain climbing and you're into hiking, I'm glad you enjoy that. <laughs> but <laughs> I do not. I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm an indoorsman. I like the AC. I don't like the hot. It was not a great experience for me. The trail consisted of steep slopes, climbing over big rocks, walking uphill for almost an hour and a half. And the worst part of it is, when we got, it was literally a spontaneous decision. So we had no idea we were going to do this. We just got there like, hey, you know what? Let's go climb the mountain. We hadn't, didn't do any research. The trail itself takes an hour and a half. I had no idea. So what it looked like to me was just a bunch of hill and rock and trees and mountains and sweaty people all around me. <laughs> there were a lot of points throughout this climb that I wanted to go back down and say, I'm done. There were a lot of points in this climb where I wanted to sit down and I didn't want to get back up. My thighs were tight. My calves were really tight. I was just sweating profusely. It was bad. And the thing is, like, I didn't come prepared to climb a mountain, so I didn't pack mountain climbing things. You know, I didn't bring like these really nice boots. I, I brought Converse and cargo shorts. <laughs> and I was making a climb in this. You know, eventually we made it to the top, and at this point, the sun had almost gone down, and it was getting dark. And we arrived probably at, at the most perfect time we could have. When we got to the top of the mountain, the sun was setting. It was starting to get dark. And from the distance, you could see the city. One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. We're thousands of feet up above the ground. And I'm just sitting there in awe. Everything that had happened prior, <laughs> I was drenched in sweat. I wasn't even thinking about the sweat. My calves were, like I said, <laughs> sore. I wasn't thinking about the, my calves. It was one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. And, and Stone Mountain is not that, like, it's not a huge mountain by any means, but it was just amazing. And then I remember... The ascension was about me getting there. The ascension was for me to get to the mountaintop. The mountaintop. In our story, Moses would travel up the mountain so that he could reach the mountaintop, which is where he could meet with God. This is the place where God would speak to Moses directly. It was the why behind the what. So what do we learn from Moses' experiences? There's just a few things we can see here. Number one, God's glory is found at the mountaintop. Once the distractions have been removed, once there was nothing to interrupt Moses and God, God would be able to reveal his glory. God's glory is just simply the physical manifestation of his presence and his spirit. 
When I reached the top of Stone Mountain, I was just in just complete awe. It was this overwhelming sense of wonder and amazement. This is what God's glory is like, but way, way more. Moses experiencing God's glory leads to what is called the awe of God. And the awe of God just happens when we stand before God's greatness and his goodness, and we just can't do anything but just be amazed and see how powerful his presence is. And after having an encounter with God in this way, Moses would ask God to continue to show his glory to him. And it was something that Moses was longing for. He wanted to see God's glory. The more that he saw God, the more he wanted to go up the mountain. The more that he kept going up the mountain, the more that he saw God. When we experience the glory of God and we're filled with awe, we then have this desire to learn about God and want to seek more of his presence. The more that we seek him, the more awe we'll gain. And we'll want to seek him again. And then we'll gain more awe. So on and so forth. And eventually it becomes this cycle where you just want to constantly just be in God's presence because he's worth it. Number two, we need to keep going back up the mountain. Moses learned so many different things from God and experienced God in so many different ways, but that only came from him going up and down, up and down, up and down. Moses needed to hear from God constantly because otherwise he would just be lost. We can't be satisfied with just going up the mountain once or having this crazy experience. God wants to do something different in our lives over and over and over again, but we could be missing out because we're good with just one encounter. There's so much more to learn about God, and it means we have to keep going up the mountain. At the same time, if we want to remain healthy followers of Jesus, if we want our faith to continue growing and not fall into decline, we have to keep going back. Consistency is so crucial. You have to keep going up the mountain, keep going up the mountain, keep going up the mountain. And the last thing that we notice here, the goal of the mountaintop is God's presence. Moses was certainly not climbing the mountain just so that he could be on top of a mountain or just to tell people that he climbed a mountain. He wasn't looking for some, for some kind of great experience and hoping that he would get the heebie-jeebies, maybe get uh, goosebumps. I lost it there for a second. There was nothing really special about Mount, Mount Sinai. It was really just this physical space where God wanted to reveal himself. And what made it special was God's presence. It was not about a specific place or a specific experience. It was just about meeting with God. Understanding that it's not about a place means that you can meet God in any place. It can be in your dorm. It can be here in Lang. It can be in your car while you're driving. Understanding that the mountaintop is not going to be this huge, crazy experience is also important. There is most likely not going to be thunder and lightning and smoke. You're probably not going to hear the audible voice of God. From my personal own experience, I've had some big moments in God's presence, but it's a handful of times. Most of the time, a mountaintop experience for me has been one where God speaks to me softly. He gets me this kind of impression. Sometimes it's really just me finding rest in his presence or he reaffirms something about my identity. Slowly though, over time, going up the mountain, 
I've gotten to know God more and more and more. Slowly, I have been formed. The mountaintop is where we meet God. The mountaintop is where we meet God. So we finally arrive to our last destination here, descending the mountain. We've made, up the, we've made the trek up to the mountain like Moses. We've taken the steps. We've developed our quiet time. We reach God and he shows up and we encounter him. What next? Well, a few chapters later on in Exodus, we read this about Moses. Exodus chapter 34, 29 through 20, or 29 through 30. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down the mountain, Moses did, did, not, did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. In this specific time of, him, of Moses going up the mountain, Moses had spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. And what do we notice? The mountaintop changed Moses. In verse 29, it says Moses' face was shining because he had been talking with God. Moses had gone up uh, being the same person, but when he had come down, the people couldn't recognize who he was. They were shocked. They were afraid. They just couldn't believe what had happened. Moses at the time was believed to be 80, if not older. He had climbed a mountain eight times prior to this. He didn't drink or eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. He should have been drained. He should have looked, as Derek says, crusty. <laughs> but instead, when he comes down, his face is shining. It wasn't something that Moses had done. Moses didn't have to work to get this shining face. It was simply being in the presence of God that had caused his face to glow. And it was visible to the people around him. So what does this mean for us? We will leave the mountaintop transformed. When we encounter God and sit in his presence, God does something in our hearts and he begins to change us. Moses faced a lot of different challenges in his life. If you read through the book of Exodus, you would be in awe. He was constantly under immense pressure and stress. He made a lot of mistakes that he regretted. He was often caught in between the people of God and God, and he just lived an overall difficult life. And yet through it all, he still had the strength to keep going. He had the peace to keep his cool. He had the wisdom to guide the people of God, even when they were fighting against him. He was just unfazed by the challenges of him because he had so much trust in God. In God's presence, we encounter his love for us. We find deep peace that surpasses all understanding. We find unwavering joy that isn't dependent on our circumstances. When we spend time with Jesus, he begins to transform us to look more like him. We start to change. And like Moses, we begin to reflect the glory of Jesus. So I have some questions for you tonight. Are you looking for peace? Are you filled with anxiety? Ascend the mountain. Are you looking for rest? Are you tired? You just don't know where else to go? Ascend the mountain. 
Are you looking for true joy and happiness and be fulfilled? Ascend the mountain. Are you looking for the strength to keep going because you just don't know if you can make it through another day? Ascend the mountain. Are you wanting to just grow in your faith and look more like Jesus? Are you just hungry for God's presence? Ascend the mountain. Small group leaders, do you want your small group to flourish? Ascend the mountain. Staff, do you want to see the campus change? Ascend the mountain. There is no other way. It's just ascending the mountain. If we want to know God more, we must ascend the mountain. As I was sitting there praying, I just felt this deep burden that came over me. And I wasn't really sure what it was. And then I began to understand, if you want to see God, the only thing you should take away from tonight, ascend the mountain. Take the next step. If you're afraid and you're not sure what's gonna happen, trust me. Ascend the mountain. Go up the mountain. I promise you, God will encounter you there. I promise you, God will meet you there. And you'll never look back worried. I want to close tonight by sharing a small part of my story. I grew up mostly religious, um, and I was usually involved with some kind of church. And this means that I had gotten pretty much used to all the different things of church. I knew all of the major Bible stories. I had listened to countless worship songs. I had listened to countless sermons. I knew it all. I knew the gospel, frontwards, backwards, upside down, whatever way. It was really all of a routine. Chi Alpha, even at one point, was just a routine for me. And this was the story for most of my life. So fast forward to the first year of college, I pack everything up and I come here to UNI to get my degree. And during the first couple of months, I got involved with Kayaf and I started to really grow in my faith. Soon after though, I got involved in an unhealthy relationship. We had really bad sexual boundaries. We constantly fought and we didn't honor the Lord with our relationship. At this point, I had a pornography addiction that had been over a decade. I found myself drifting away from God and eventually I was in a really deep, deep pit of shame and just lost. I had no consistent time with God. I wasn't reading my Bible at all. I wasn't praying. Worship was more just music that I really enjoyed listening to. I told everyone around me that I was great, that I was living the good Christian life, but I hadn't felt God's presence in, in years. Eventually, at some point, everything came out to the light. The sin I'd been hiding, the lies, they all came flooding forward. And eventually, Pastor De uh, Derek and Pastor Daniel, who was the pastor of St. Church, they asked me to meet so that we could talk about what had been going on in my relationship and just my lack of, of being with Jesus. And so I shared the truth about everything that had happened, what had been going on for the past couple of years. At this point, I'm, so I'm sitting in, in Derek's house. He has two couches that are like this. 
I'm sitting here, Pastor Derek is here, and Pastor Daniel are here, and I'm so full of shame because I'm confessing all of the sin and all the things that have been going on in my life. And there's tears running down my face and I put my face in my hands and I just don't want to look up because I'm so full of guilt and shame. And in the midst of all this, Pastor Daniel gets up. He's a grown man, mind you. And he sits on the floor in front of me. Crisscross applesauce. And he gets my attention and he says, Victor, I just want you to know that I'll never look at you any more differently than the first day that I met you. And Daniel at the time, he was just trying to be, he was trying to be a good pastor. He was trying to love on a student that had been lost. But what he didn't know is that Jesus was speaking to me in that moment. Excuse me. And for the first time, in my life, I ascended the mountain. I climbed. Sorry. And God met me there. He met me there. And for the first time in my life, I met God. For the first time in 20 years of my life, I met the real God. Before the, the God that I thought I knew, he made me perform for him. I had to be perfect. I had to hide who I was because I was so ashamed. I reached this false summit and I thought, this is what Christianity is supposed to look like. This is what following Jesus is supposed to look like. But then, when I made it up the real mountain and I met the real God, the living God, when I met Jesus for the first time, it changed me. I encountered the God who was so full of grace and forgiveness for me. And I never went back. I met the God who would give me purpose and meaning and would fulfill my life, no matter how far I felt I had gone. And as I continued to go up and down the mountain, I began to know God in ways that I never dreamed I would. I discovered God's character in powerful ways and personal ways, and this caused me to want to keep going up and down. For the first time in my life, I was okay with myself. For the first time in my life, I found peace about who I was. There were days where I had to push myself. There were days when I didn't want to read my Bible. There were days when I had no motivation and I wanted to give up. There were days when I, I didn't get the heebie-jeebies. God didn't always speak to me when I sat down with my Bible. But then I would remember. I knew that God was faithful. And I had to keep going up. And then he would re-encounter me again. Moses and the people of Israel, they couldn't go up the mountain because sin kept them from going up. God's presence wasn't available to every single person. It was only available to a select few. Thankfully for us, it doesn't have to be this way. 
Because of Jesus, we can ascend the mountain. The people of Israel weren't even allowed to come close and touch the mountain because God was just so holy. Sin put this barrier between us and God, but Jesus went on the cross so that you and I could ascend the mountain and that we could meet God personally. Jesus did that for us. You can make a decision right here, right now. You don't have to wait to be perfect. God is not waiting for you to clean your life up. He's saying right now in this moment, you can take the steps and you can climb up the mountain. And I promise you I'll be there. You don't have to wait until next week. You don't have to wait until next year. In this moment, God wants to encounter you right now. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you did an hour before you came here. God is still opening up the doors and saying, come up the mountain because I'm waiting for you. He's ready to encounter us. So I encourage you, climb the mountain. Ascend the mountain. The way we're going to close is I just want to I want to create space for just that. I'm going to call you to do something that might make you uncomfortable. But I really feel it's what God wants. If you're really wanting to take the next step, if you're saying, I want to climb the mountain, please come forward. Not right now, but I'll say when. Come forward and just be with God. Just talk to God. You don't have to come up with these crazy prayers. You don't have to go on this lengthy thing of why you deserve to be God. No, he already wants to encounter you. So the altar is gonna be open. It's essentially just this space. The band's gonna just play quietly. If you wanna stay in your seats, that's okay. You can still encounter God in your seats. But there's gonna be people in the back who are wanting to pray with you. And I'm, please, I encourage you. Don't let this moment pass by. Don't push off climbing the mountain anymore. So if you want to come, please come forward now. Even if it's uncomfortable, I encourage you to please come. But don't again, no pressure. But let's just respond to what God is doing.